Warning! Deep Fix contains adult content and language. So if you don't touch processed foods but eat gummy bears, this may not be for you. And now, Deep Fix. Hello, and welcome to Deep Fix, where we get a fix of all of our favorite obsessions. I'm your host, Jen B. And this season, we are diving deep into the epic Real Housewives of New York City, seasons one through three. And this episode, we are breaking down season three, episode two, Dueling Labor Day Parties. Now, let's get our fix. Well, we're only in the second episode now of season three, and it's already getting good. And because it's so good, it keeps making me reflect on what's going on currently with the housewives, especially Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, which I know I keep harping on. But all of the BS that is going on with Rinna and Erica and Kyle and Dorit and the whole Fox Force 5, whatever that bullshit is, or Fox Force 4 now that Teddy's not there, I can't help but point out that... If the Real Housewives producers and production companies and the network itself actually paid attention to what I was saying and to what I have been saying all along about the biggest problem with what's going on with the housewives, which is shoving them all in a room together, shoving them all on a trip together, shoving them all in a fake party together, and then forcing them to constantly fight with each other, as opposed to being uniquely interesting individual people with their own stories going on. It's just, it's what's creating this almost hatred for some of the people that used to be the most beloved, like Kyle, right? We all loved Kyle. I did. I loved the first few seasons of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. And of course, I'm still watching. I watch every episode. I think I've seen damn near every season of almost every city of Housewives. And I loved Kyle right from the jump. I loved her story. I, I loved the whole thing. And now you're starting to see really the end result of doing what the producers have done, which is a bit lazy, which is allowing these women to control storylines, not creating a real storyline, but just making this fake nonsense where they all are forced constantly every episode to get together, fight, make drama amongst themselves but not actually let us into anything that's going on in their real life. And you see what starts to happen when there's real things going on, like with Erica and these lawsuits and the whole Tom Girardi debacle. The second anyone starts questioning her on what's going on in her real life, as opposed to the bullshit storylines that she wants producers to peddle for her or her other castmates, it becomes an absolute disaster. I mean, she turns into a friggin' monster. And to me, this is taking the playbook that they've now put into effect for the housewives to its logical conclusion, which is you're going to end up hating all these women because they're just, it's all a bunch of bullshit. They're just fighting. They're making up shit with each other. Nobody's being real. Nobody's giving an insight into their cool and fabulous life. Now they're just looking to start shit with somebody, even if there really isn't shit there to begin with. Boring. And I know I keep harping on it, but I feel like week after week that I'm watching Beverly Hills play out, it's like I'm screaming into a dark shadow that nobody's listening to, and they're not doing anything about it. 
They're just continuing on with the same lame playbook as opposed to going back to what worked, going back to what made everything really pop on the screen and bring Housewives center stage, which when I go back and now watch the old episodes of Roni, it just couldn't become more clear as to why this type of structure and playbook is really what the the viewers want. And I thought, you know, I, we do turtle time, right? Which is just a quick summary of every episode. And it's broken out by each of the housewives. And I started thinking, could I even do a full turtle time breakdown on something like what's going on with Real Housewives of Beverly Hills? And really, I, I couldn't. It, it would just be more of a summary of the episode. I couldn't break it down by housewife because, again, they're all just shoved into the same party, shoved into the same room, shoved into the same trip. Nobody's doing things independently. And if there are little independent clips, they're just that. They're a 15-second clip of Kyle making dinner, talking about the trip she's about to go on with Mauricio and the kids. There really isn't anything short of them pumping up their own products and sales and stuff they're doing on the side that really creates the independent storyline, lets us dive into these women's lives, and really, most interestingly, get a glimpse into some of these fabulous things that these women do. I th- I talked about it last episode. Diana Jenkins, I mean, what a disaster she fucking is. But really, what an interesting life they could have portrayed on the season. Why aren't they following her around to her charity events, to her hobnobbing around with all of these celebrities? Instead, they're having her put on fake parties that with just Housewives cast members. It's like, again, boring. But it just seems like the producers of every single one of these shows, every city, I'm watching Atlanta. Same thing is going on. I notice, I'm like, here they go. Okay, we're going to Jamaica. Oh, the whole cast is going to Jamaica. Oh, we're going to a birthday party for two of the gals. Oh, everybody's going to the birthday party for two of the gals. Oh, we're going to, which at least I will say, I was so pumped to see She by Sheree actually have a friggin' fashion show. But again, that was really one of the more interesting things because although all of the ladies did go and support Sheree, it was giving Sheree an independent storyline separate from getting together with the women and talking about a fight that they're all having with each other. And it was the most interesting part of the episode. And for those of us who've been watching from the beginning, it was very satisfying to see Sheree actually pull off She by Sheree because we've been waiting for it. What did she say for 14 years? <laughs> Which is crazy. But they should take a note on that, that that really is what most of the viewers were talking about was the She by Sheree fashion show. And again, that wasn't a fight between the women. That was Sheree having her own independent storyline about what was going on in her life. So, you know, if Bravo would just listen to what we're saying over here at Deep Fix, I'm just saying, I think they might be able to save the housewives because if they keep going down this path of just the same old, same old every fucking episode with just these women making up fake storylines to fight with each other, it, it's not going to go very well. And, and I see it coming. I'm just going to, here's a little prediction, crystal balling it here, but I see it coming for the Real Housewives of Orange County. I'm so pumped they're pre- bringing Tamara back. They needed to do that. I really wish they would have brought Vicky back. I know that's a bit controversial, but it was just, it would have been great. But I see it happening. I guarantee what Tamara is going to see as her marching orders for this season is to start drama with the other women, not to have an interesting life, not to let the viewers in on interesting things that she's doing and that's going on in her life, but to what is she going to do? Make drama with the other women and start fights. I see it coming. I think it's going to land flat. 
not totally flat because people are going to be excited she's back, but it's just not going to be what it could be, right? Same thing with Heather Dubrow. I mean, she, you know, lover or hater, I, I, I think it was stupid for them to think that she was going to be, you know, bringing her back was going to be the end all be all. But her life is more interesting outside of fighting with the housewives than it is shoving her in a room in a party and a trip with the cast members and making her fight with them. And I think if they would have given us a little bit more of following her around on trips that she's doing independently, seeing what charity events she attends and filming there, I think that would have been much more interesting than having her show her nasty side with the ladies. So my prediction is with OC, even with Tamara coming back, we're just going to get more of the same. Telling these ladies to fight with each other, which is going to be their entirety of their storyline, and every episode is going to be the entire cast or the majority of the cast at a totally overproduced party with nothing but cast members, at a totally overproduced event with nothing but cast members, or a totally overproduced trip with nothing but cast members. Again, boring Bravo, fucking boring. All right, I'm getting off of my high horse. So let's get back to when things weren't boring, which is the beginning seasons of Roni. And let's get straight into it with a quick summary of the episode, because it's turtle time. All right, it's turtle time for season three, episode three of Roni. So let's get right into our quick summary. As for Bethany, this episode, we see she and Jason, her new boyfriend, meet up with Ramona and Mario in the Hamptons. It's still Labor Day weekend. So just to set the stage, we're still on Labor Day weekend, which shows you how much is packed into this season. They get the first two episodes solely from one weekend up at the Hamptons. Epic Roni. So Bethany and Jason are meeting Ramona and Mario for drinks, looks like maybe drinks and appetizers. They're going to hang out and discuss mostly issues with the ladies. You know, we've got Bethany and Jill going on. We've got now Ramona and Luann going on. And the ladies and Mario and Jason get into it a little bit. But most importantly, at the end of the night, they dance the night away because everyone knows that's Ramona's favorite thing. Then we get a little bit of the softer and more intimate side of Bethany. We see that she and Jason have a romantic dinner at Philippe, which is a a restaurant in the Hamptons. There's one in New York City that we see her go to as well. But this is the one in the Hamptons. And it's very sweet. They discuss being in love and the fact that they want to move in together and take the next step. And then, of course, we see the Labor Day party at Ramona's where she and Jason are invited. And so they head over to Ramona's house in the Hamptons where Bethany is forced to confront Alex about the skinny girl logo. She didn't use the skinny girl logo that Alex put together. She's a bit nervous because she has to really just kind of tuck tail and apologize to Alex. But she does it and things work out okay. And then she also gets an earful about Jill and her fight with Jill, even from people she doesn't know, which continues to call into question her relationship with Jill. Now, as for Ramona, as I said, we see her meet up with Mario, with Bethany and Jason to discuss the issues with Luann. And she goes over a little bit of the yacht trip that we see in episode one. She and Mario also meet up with Alex and Simon for dinner in the Hamptons, which is a little bit of foreshadowing of the Bethany-Ramona-Alex alliance. 
And then because it really ends with these dueling Labor Day parties, we see Ramona prep for her Labor Day party. Her daughter Avery is helping her. And then we see her host the party where Alex and Simon, Bethany and Jason, and a few of her other friends are guests. And Ramona at the end of that party gets wind that Luann and Jill have invited some of Ramona's guests over to their impromptu Labor Day party, hence the dueling Labor Day party title. And that just pisses Ramona off. Now, Jill, we see that Jill is staying with Luann for Labor Day weekend because she has sold her house in the Hamptons. And at Luann's, Jill proceeds to call Ramona to discuss uh, Ramona's party and why she doesn't want to go and she doesn't feel comfortable going. And Ramona goes off on Luann, not knowing she's on speakerphone and not knowing Luann is sitting right there. And because Jill decides that she's not going to go to Ramona's Labor Day party, we see her stay at Luann's for their own little impromptu party. And they're prepping for that. And in between scenes, we see a very quick scene of Allie getting a driving lesson from Bobby with Jill as the backseat driver, which is anyone's worst nightmare, as you can imagine. But then we cut back to Jill and Luann at the party, at Luann's party, I should say, where Jill gets a call from Alex that she and Simon aren't going to be able to come over to Luann's. Clearly, they've invited Alex and Simon to come over to their house instead. And Jill, of course, tells Alex it's okay. But the moment she hangs up the phone, she and Luann continue to talk shit about Ramona and Alex and the whole situation. Now, as for Luann, remember, she's in the throes of getting divorced. We see Rosie, her old housekeeper, like quasi-nanny. She comes to Luann's Hamptons house to say hello to the family. It's very sweet. And Luann is also hosting Jill and Bobby for Labor Day weekend. And so we see lots of scenes of she and Jill discussing the Ramona Mario issue and the comment that Mario made about Luann. Luann hears more than she was expecting from Ramona on the speakerphone incident. And she also tells Jill about the drinks she had with Bethany that weekend. So as I said, Luann clearly decides to have her own Labor Day party where Jill and Kelly attend. And at the end of the night, we really get nothing more than Jill and Luann sitting on her porch talking shit. Now, as for Kelly, we, again, it's it's funny. We don't get a whole lot of Kelly except when she's being a total lunatic. The only time we see Kelly in this episode is when she shows up to Luann's Hamptons house for the impromptu party. So Kelly shows up because she wasn't invited to Ramona's, we find out. And at the party, Kelly sets the women up for a very important piece of information that she wants to discuss. It's very dramatic. They think it might be something to do with getting arrested again. But lo and behold, it's the fact that she was asked to pose for Playboy. And then lastly, as for Alex, Alex and Simon are in the Hamptons for Labor Day weekend. Surprise, surprise. She meets up with Ramona and Mario for dinner, where they all end up having a great time to Ramona's surprise. And then, of course, as I said, they go to Ramona's Labor Day party where Bethany confronts Alex or really just pulls her aside and explains to her why she didn't use Alex's skinny girl logo. And Alex appreciates the the truth and the upfrontness of it all. And then poor Alex, towards the end of the party, she has to explain to Ramona that Jill wants them to stop by Luann's and that they're going to leave. And of course, Ramona ain't having it. So poor Alex gets a ton of pressure to stay and ends up having to call Jill and Luann and tell her that they're not coming. So with that, let's get right into a deep dive of the episode, because it's time to mention it all. 
Let's mention it all about Season 3, Episode 2, Dueling Labor Day Parties. So as I said before, we open up at the Hamptons. Remember, Roni, every season would open up, at least back in the day, would open up at the Hamptons with the last few weekends of summer. So here we are, it's Labor Day weekend, and we're at the Pink Elephant in Southampton. It's a great bar, restaurant, and Bethany and her new boyfriend, Jason, are waiting for Ramona and Mario to arrive. And as Bethany says, Ramona is incessantly late. But they do eventually arrive, and Bethany immediately comments on Ramona's hair. Remember, she chopped it all off, and she thinks she looks like an older version of Cameron Diaz. Bethany says, wow, I love it. It's really short and sassy. And I love Mario's response. He said, well, yeah, that that fits her, because Ramona is really short and sassy. And Ramona goes on and explains that her long hair was really, you know, it's like her sex symbol. It's like Samson and Delilah, she says. It's like another Ramonaism instead of Delilah. I think sometimes she just talks too fast, like her mouth doesn't keep up with her brain, because I'm sure she knows it's Delilah, but she calls it Samson and Delilah. And based on what Bethany says, you can tell this is the night that Bethany had lunch with Luann, that, that, well, really just had drinks with her, where Bethany had to drive all the way out to Luann after Luann canceled on her. And so Bethany starts to tell her about how Luann just kind of came for her. And Ramona says, well, that's interesting, because I also had an altercation with her. And Ramona then goes in and explains the yacht situation where Luann picked and picked at Ramona over the comments that Mario said regarding Countless. And then Ramona, it's like such a poor choice of words. She says, you know, I feel like I was verbally raped by them, you know? And she said she kept telling Luann, not now, you know, not now, just stop. I don't want to talk about it now. But as Ramona says, Luann is just totally classless and dug into Ramona regardless of Ramona's wishes. And, you know, I've got to give it to Bethany because she does tell Mario that the Luann comment was uncool, that whole countless thing that he whispered under his breath. And Mario tries to kind of get out of it and say, well, I didn't say it to her face. She's like, no, you said it behind her back. But it was it was still it was still pretty rude. And then Bethany turns and says, oh, yeah, I I forgot to ask, like, are you packing? Because, you know, Luann told me that everyone has it in for me and everyone's coming for me. So, like, are you packing? Are you coming in with heat to just take me out? And in another famous Bethany one-liner, she says, yeah, that woman, Luann, she lost her husband and grew a penis because she was coming for me today when we had drinks. And so then Bethany just kind of goes over what happened with them at drinks and said she was sick of just the hypocrisy of it all. You know, the don't give your number to married men, darling. And she says, meanwhile, I've seen her give her number to married men. I've seen her go out and about. Her and her husband are cheating on each other behind each other's backs. And I just cannot take it anymore with her taking this high road position that she's so much better. And oh, darling, you wouldn't dare do that. That's so classless. And so Bethany says she kind of came in and was like and told Luann, do you really want to go? You know, do you really want to go? And I love the editing here because then they do a quick cut to Ramona's confessional where she says, Bethany does have a point. (laughs) It's so great. And so Mario's like, wow, that was that was subtle, like as subtle as a train crash. And Jason kind of laughs. He's like, that's my baby. And so you see Bethany's kind of going off. She's talking a little bit to Mario. And Ramona turns over to Jason and she's like, gosh, you know, Bethany is so hyper. I I really think I'm mellowing out, which is hilarious for Ramona to call herself mellow. But she says to Jason, oh, my God, she's like making me shake. And Jason's like, what are you talking about? She's like, she's just so hyper. But she she kind of jumps back in. She's like, sorry, Bethany. Anyway, what were you saying? 
and they continue to talk. And then you do see in Ramona's confessional, she thinks Jason and Bethany compliment each other. She says how laid back Jason is, and he's a great kind of mellowing source for Bethany. And the two of them, because they are different in the right ways, are great together. So as they sit there, Ramona says, you know what, let's just forget about all this crap with the other ladies and let's just have fun. I think she says, let's party hardy. (laughs) So Ramona. So they cheers. And then you get Bethany's confessional. And again, great editing where she says, you know what they say about just add water with Ramona? It's just add music. She loves to dance and she won't stop. And so they show them out on the dance floor. Ramona is up on the table with Mario dancing. And the scene ends with Bethany explaining that Ramona likes to dance until your cooch falls off. Classic Bethany. So then we cut to Luann's house in the Hamptons. And Rosie, you remember Rosie, her housekeeper slash nanny who no longer works for them. Rosie is visiting. She wants to see the family. And I think it's really sweet. Noel, who I think probably considers Rosie at that point more of a mother figure than Luann. He runs down, gives Rosie a big hug. Her daughter, Victoria, is also there, who has casts on both of her wrists. And so Rosie's there to see the family. She comments on Victoria's cast. And in Luann's confessional, she explains that Victoria fell off the roof and luckily only broke both of her wrists. And Luann says she thinks she was trying to sneak out while Luann's brother was watching the kids. And I couldn't help but think... And again, I know it's hard. I'm not walking a day in Luann's shoes. She did get divorced. The Count is now in Europe, probably mostly full time. So she doesn't have that extra help. She doesn't have Rosie. But if all of that was going on, why do you have your brother coming out and watching your kids? I flashed back to the previous seasons where you see Noel begging his mom not to go out when he's leaving her. She's leaving him with Rosie. And there's the comment that Mrs. D is kind of gone a lot and goes out a lot at night. So I couldn't help but think, you know, Luann, maybe during this tumultuous time of a total upheaval of your family, maybe just, you know, over the summer, let's not leave our kids with our with their uncle. But again, I'm not walking a day in her shoes. So we'll see. So as Luann points out, Rosie doesn't work for them anymore. Luann says it's because with the fact that Luann moved full time to the Hamptons because they gave up their townhouse. And so, Rosie, it was too far for her to go. She needed to find somebody closer. But, you know, if you're working full time for a family, I don't know, it seems plausible that perhaps Rosie did need something closer to the city if that's where she lives. But I'm also thinking perhaps they couldn't afford Rosie anymore because I had always thought that they owned that townhouse, but they were renting it. They gave up the townhouse. Now she doesn't have the count paying for everything. So perhaps they also can't afford Rosie. So they take Rosie to the backyard. They're sitting around the table having some iced tea. And Luann, I just, she comes off so bad in this this scene. She tells Rosie that they miss her cooking. And she says, oh, too bad Nora is off today. Nora must be her new housekeeper, cook, whatever. She says, oh, I was going to show, I was going to have you show her how to cook, which I think is so rude. Rosie is taking a day out of her life to come up and visit the family. And Luann's saying, oh, too bad the new help isn't here. I was going to have you spend the day teaching her how to cook. It's like, oh, God, Luann, that's just terrible. And as Luann says in her confessional, it's double the work, you know, teaching a new person how to do the things you like. It's like, oh, God, Luann, here we go again. And then I love it because Rosie gets a confessional. It clearly must have been an on-the-spot confessional. But she says, Mrs. D seems tough on the outside. But she worries about Luann because she knows she's lonely and she doesn't show it, but she can feel it. 
And Rosie's checking in on Luann, asking her how she is. She says, I know you've called me a few times. And Luann kind of jumps in and tries to say, act like she called her for other reasons. But I, I kind of thought maybe she was jumping in to stop Rosie from saying more because Luann does say that they've become friends over the years and they confide in each other. And perhaps Luann didn't want Rosie to say the real reason why she was calling. And then I do have to give it to Luann. She gives a little nod to the Count, who we know. I don't know. I don't really know the Count. You don't get a whole lot of him through the season. But he doesn't seem like he's that involved with the kids or that even involved with the family. And it seems to be well known throughout the circles that he's screwing around on Luann constantly. But nonetheless, Luann gives a nod to him and says that the kids spent the summer with him in the south of France. And he spends a lot of time with the kids and they really love that. Which also made me think, if your kids are spending the whole summer in the south of France with the Count, why are you having the few weekends that they're with you over the summer? Why are you having your brother come and watch them? Why aren't you spending times with them? But whatever. So Luann's sitting with Rosie. The kids have now gone upstairs. Their friends are over. And Luann's explaining, you know, it's a big change after 16 years of being married. And I noted, I don't know why she's so... I don't know if she's trying to show how long they were married or she feels like that somehow gives her a bit more cred with the countess name. But you will see over the course of this season, she mentions the fact that they were married for 16 years over and over again. So the scene wraps up and Luann and and Rosie are going back inside. And it ends with Luann looking at Rosie and saying, "Well, well, Rosie, how do I look? It's so pretentious. And Rosie says, you look great. And Luann says, yeah, you look great, too. You've kept your weight off. I just, I don't know. Luann, I I don't think I could be friends with her. So next we cut to Alex. She's at a restaurant called Savannah's in the Hamptons, which interestingly enough, I think is where when they were on the yacht in episode one, when Joni says, oh, we were all at Savannah's the night before and Ramona got her own check, that whole conversation she has with Jill, where they kind of say that Ramona is cheap. I think it's the same restaurant. And she and Simon are waiting for Ramona and Mario. They're going to have dinner. And Simon says to Alex before Ramona gets there, you know, what should I expect? I haven't seen much of Ramona this summer. And recall, Ramona's not a huge fan of Alex and Simon, or at least she hasn't been in the past. So Mario and Ramona show up and lo and behold, Mario and Simon are wearing damn near the same outfit. It's a white kind of linen-esque suit with a peach colored shirt underneath. And Alex says, if you can believe it, Simon actually has the shirt you're wearing, Mario, and he almost wore that exact same one. And so Mario jokes that, you know, he was meeting with the with them, with Mr. Fashionista. He wanted to step it up. Ramona just can't believe it. She's like, oh, my God, they're twins. But they sit down for dinner. Ramona's first thing she says to Simon is, you didn't mention my hair. And Simon, it's just so perfect. I love this piece. He says, you know, you know who you remind me of? A younger Cameron Diaz. And Ramona eats it up. And as Alex says in her confessional, she knew that if Simon said something like this, it would immediately get Ramona on Simon's side. It's fucking hilarious. So they're sitting there. They're ending up having actually a really great time. And Ramona says, you know, did I invite you guys on Monday? And you can tell it's a total cover because it's got to be Saturday, Sunday. It's a day or two away from the party. And she knows she didn't invite them. But Simon says, well, you could pull a Jill and invite us and then phone up Cindy Adams at the newspaper and then disinvite us. Ramona's like, no, I would never do that. And as Ramona said, she really didn't plan on inviting them, but she was having a good time with them and wanted them to come over. So they talk about the fact that Ramona is going to be having a party at her house on Monday of Labor Day weekend. 
And then they launch into Luann because she goes over the invite list and says, you know, Bethany's coming, Jill's coming, which she doesn't end up coming. And she says, but Luann may not be coming because she's all pissed off at this comment that Mario said. And then Alex says that she doesn't understand that if Luann has an issue with Mario, why is she bringing it up with Ramona? And Ramona loves it because that's exactly the same thing she said to Luann on the yacht. And Mario points out that Luann would get along a lot better with everybody if she just got off her high horse and stopped acting like she wasn't talking shit as well. As he points out, he says, she's always talking about Ramona's big eyes. And Ramona's like, no, not big eyes, crazy eyes. Again, I don't think Luann gets enough credit for being the inventor of the Ramona crazy eyes, which are now the blindfold on Watch What Happens Live with Andy. I mean, they're famous. Luann was the originator of the Ramona crazy eyes comment. But as Mario points out, she talks shit about Mario and, and, and Ramona all the time. And now she's acting like she's not going to come because of Mario's comment. And Simon throws it out there that Mario should just call her and invite her himself, maybe apologize. So he says, you know what, let's just do it right now, which kind of shocks me. I, I don't know if he needed the, the cameras to be there to get the guts to do it or if he just was feeling it in the moment. So he grabs Ramona's phone, asks if he has her number, and he calls and leaves her a message. She doesn't pick up, of course, but he leaves her a message. And Ramona and Simon are talking and Simon's saying all the right things. And the scene ends with Ramona saying, you know what, Simon? I'm liking you more and more. (laughs) It's hilarious, but they have a great time together. And again, you can see the foreshadowing of the friendship shifts that are happening in season three. So then we cut back to Luann's house. It's got to be Monday morning, the morning of Ramona's party. And Jill is, of course, in her confessional gushing over Luann and what a great host she is. Jill and Luann are setting up for breakfast. Jill is talking about how warm the house is now that the Count isn't there, which I'm sure the Count didn't appreciate that. But then they sit down and they talk about Ramona's party. And Luann does say that she got a phone call from Mario the night before, which, of course, she wasn't going to pick it up because she didn't want to speak to him, as she said. And she says he's calling me from Ramona's phone, so I wasn't expecting it to be him, which I think is a little more proof that he didn't have her phone number. So to fit with the theme of season three, Luann plays Mario's message for Jill to listen to. And Jill says, oh, so it's like, bring it on, bitch, is what he was saying which I think she's totally stirring the pot. You know, Mario did say, I'm here to talk whenever you want to talk, but I don't think he was really saying, bring it on, bitch. I think he was just saying, if you have an issue and you want to talk with me about it, I'm sorry I upset you, come talk with me. But Jill, of course, she doesn't want Luann to feel comfortable to go over there because in reality, Jill doesn't want to go over there and see Bethany. So she's going to make sure that Luann is not going over either because that's her way out. So Jill and Luann decide that they're not going and Jill calls Ramona. And Jill says her phone isn't working. There's kind of a dead zone in Luann's house. And this is back when there really were, depending on your provider areas, that you just couldn't use your phone. And then Jill makes the snide comment, can you dial her or do you not have her number? Why can't people just have normal thoughts, she says. It's like, oh, get over it. It's so catty. Which, of course, is a callback to Ramona saying Mario didn't have Luann's number, which is why he hadn't called Luann. And I couldn't help but notice that Luann's got this spread of like croissants and fruit and breakfast on the table. And Luann's plate literally has about three pieces of fruit. That's what she's having for breakfast, I think, is three pieces of fruit. But anyway, so Jill uses Luann's phone and she calls Ramona and she puts her on speaker. And now I have to point out that these days when you're having a telephone call with another housewife, you know it's going to be filmed 
and you know you're going to be on speaker so the camera can pick it up. But back in these days, you not every conversation was getting filmed for camera and you wouldn't be expected that somebody was going to be on the other end, nor were you expecting that the cameras would be there. So this is one of those moments. Again, I, this is why I just love the early housewives because it's not so overproduced. So Jill calls Ramona and she says that she's not coming. You know, Luann doesn't feel comfortable and she's staying with Luann. And can you have some compassion for her? She's all alone now. And Ramona just launches. And she says, you know what? Luann's just being fucking rude. She says she's been a slut her whole marriage. She's never alone. And she's through bullshitting for Luann. She says she's badmouthed me and Mario. And you know what? Now she needs to apologize. And Jill is, you can tell Jill's a bit shocked because Luann is sitting right there as Ramona's talking about what a slut she's been through her marriage and she's done bullshitting for her. Jill's a little bit caught, cut off guard, but Jill kind of goes in and then she and Ramona start yelling at each other. Jill's telling him, you know, he doesn't have to apologize for being born. He just has to say he's, he's sorry and it's over. But Ramona, you can just tell at this point, she's not having it. I think she also knows that Jill and Luann are now in cahoots to kind of ruin Ramona's party and take a little bit of the wind out of the sails of the party. So she's not having it. She's not apologizing. Conversation over. And Jill cannot believe what has just happened. And Luann, it's interesting. It really does make me think that Ramona has hit a bit of truth there with Luann because Luann doesn't try to defend the comments. She just says she can't believe that she would go below the belt and talk about her marriage of 16 years. Of course, there we go again with the 16 years. And then we get Jill's confessional where she says, I don't know if there's any truth to what Ramona was saying about Luann, but it wasn't nice and it was rude. And I think that's just, that's kind of a low blow to Luann because first of all, from what we understand, Jill's been talking shit about Luann for the last couple of years and talking about how she sleeps around and her and her husband aren't faithful to each other. So it's kind of a bit of a cover for for Jill. But also, if they're going to be all best friendy friendy right now, to not just say, you know, I can't believe she said that, that's so rude and untrue, but to say, I don't know if there's any truth to what she said, but it was rude. Whew, that's that's a uh, that's a friendship for you. And I also think it says something that Ramona felt comfortable going off like that to Jill about that topic. I think it really shows that they've all talked about this before, including Ramona and Jill. But as Luann says, she was pleased at Jill's loyalty to her, which oh, here we go with the loyalty thing. It's bringing me Teresa Judice flashbacks. And as Jill points out, people who are obsessed with talking about other people's marriages usually have bad marriages themselves. And say what you want about Jill, but she might have been on to something about the Ramona Mario marriage and what was going on. And maybe she knew a little more than she was letting on to. So then we see Luann and Jill. They're in Luann's kitchen. They're cleaning up. And Luann tells Jill about the drink she had with Bethany, which was either the night before or the day before that. And Jill says, oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. She says it twice. And it just, it's almost like Doth protests too much. I'm thinking, of course she knew that. She was staying with Luann that weekend. There's no way that Luann didn't come home and tell her everything. So I think it was Jill trying to act for the cameras because now they've got to talk about it in front of the cameras. And they go back and forth and... Luann kind of makes it like she called Bethany to the mat and tells her how she's always talking shit behind all of our backs. And, you know, she confronted her and Bethany was shaking. But Luann does say she ended up apologizing and told her about Jason and all of that stuff. And Luann says, I really think you guys should make up. 
I really think, you know, I know you love her. I know she loves you. I really think there's love between the two of you guys. And I think you and Bethany should make up. But of course, Jill, because she just can't fucking let it lie. And she's got to hold a grudge and just be horrible this season. She says that it will just never be the same with her and Bethany. And the scene ends with Jill's confessional saying, I just don't know what's going to happen with Bethany. So then we open with Bethany and Jason. They're at Philippe. Remember, that's the restaurant that you saw her in um, New York City going on that date back in season two. And remember, they also carry Skinny Girl margaritas. And you see the Skinny Girl logo. She's just launched her Skinny Girl bottles and alcohol that summer. You see them in the background if you look at this scene with she and Jason sitting at the bar. And I have to say, it's a very sweet dinner. I really liked these scenes with Jason. I really liked Jason when he first came on the scene. And, you know, hate me for saying it because I know it didn't end well for Jason. But I thought Bethany was a little bit more of the problem in their relationship in the beginning. She was much more difficult. And they're talking about their relationship. Jason says, it's all right. You're just complicated. And Bethany says, oh, complicated. There are actually many more words to describe me. And Jason says, like, what? And Bethany says, well, tortured, damaged, mentally disturbed. And Jason's very sweet. He's like, I don't think any of those things. And then they talk about moving in together and that they want to be together. And I thought it's sweet. She's Bethany says, you want to move in? You, me, Molly, Julie, and the boo-boo, <laughs> which is her dog, and her two assistants. And Jason's like, oh, it's not just going to be you and me. I get like, it's the five of us. <laughs> and they're sitting at the bar and they're being very affectionate and lovey-dovey. And Bethany gets a bit emotional and teary-eyed. And she says, this has just been a whirlwind. And, you know, she was working so hard with her business and feeling like she wasn't going to be able to have it all. The girl doesn't get the business and the success and the guy, and she can't believe this is happening. And Jason's telling her not to make it so hard and not to fight against it. And Bethany says, I will. I'll let you love me. And I think this is very telling about Bethany's challenges in relationships and Jason's challenge in the relationship with Bethany. And Bethany says, you know, I can be difficult. And Jason says, so can I. And Bethany says, no, not really. You know, I'm really difficult, which I think what everything that's happened, I thought it was interesting looking back, but it's very sweet. Jason says, I never thought this would happen either. This has totally caught me by surprise, but I'm ready and you're the right woman for me. And he gives Bethany some comfort telling her it's not going to be perfect. Of course, we're going to have issues along the way, but we'll communicate. We'll trust each other and it's going to be great. And Bethany says she's in and she's in big. And she gives Jason a kiss. And I know this is nitpicky, but I always notice this with Bethany when she kisses her boyfriends. And maybe it's, I don't know, I have really big lips and I love to kiss my husband. But when she kisses him, it's like she has these really thin, pierced lips. And it just seems so rigid when she kisses him. I don't know. It's just, I remember thinking it back then. And I thought it again when I watched it and just knowing where their relationship went. It was just a small observation, but I thought I'd mention it. So then we cut back to Ramona's house. Her daughter Avery is helping her prep for the Labor Day party. They're getting the food ready. And she's kind of talking out loud and Avery's there. Mario's coming in and out. And she says she really thought Jill would tell Luann just to get over it and come over to Ramona's party. She says that Jill can be very convincing. So she thought Jill would be able to convince her. And she says she thinks that Luann is making a mountain out of a molehill, which is a comment that comes up a lot during season three. But this time, Ramona gets it right. If you remember on the yacht, she called a mountain out of a whole mill. (laughs) But this time she gets it right. 
And we also get to see a little bit of Ramona's old kitchen, which is kind of like a, I don't know, it has a more Tuscan vibe to it. Because remember, she redid her whole house in the Hamptons a couple of years ago, a lot of which I liked, but I think she went a little too overboard with kind of that minimalist, modern, everything white. It almost looks a little cheap where I feel like the kitchen then, it had some pizzazz and some personality and seemed a little more custom. But anyway, it was fun to see her old kitchen with those orange tiles and her stove is absolutely beautiful. I don't think she changed that out. And then Ramona, because Avery's like, well, you know, mom, she's staying with Luann. Maybe it's hard for her to come over. And Ramona has a good point. She says, look, everyone is going back to the city today. Remember, it's Monday of Labor Day. She says she could have just left Luann's house and then come over, stopped by and said hello, and then went back to the city. She could have made this work if she wanted to. But like I said, in my opinion, Jill is using Luann as her excuse not to come over because she knows she's been shit talking Bethany this whole summer and she doesn't want to see her. And that's really what's going on. So then we cut to Luann's and she and Jill are prepping for dinner because now they're having their own little impromptu party. Maybe it's lunch, really. And they are not going to Ramona's. And as Jill says, which again, Jill just has so much vitriol and hate that comes from her this season. She says, if Ramona would have just had her idiot husband call Luann and apologize, we would have all had a good time. But no. First of all, that's just, you don't need to call me calling people their idiot husband. I think that's fucking rude. And that's definitely not going to make friends with Ramona. But again, I, I just don't think Jill really wanted to go over there. She did not want to see Bethany. She didn't want to have her feet to the fire. She was trying to ice Bethany out. And she also didn't want to be accountable for what she's been saying. So I think it was convenient for her to let Luann kind of feel like she was not welcome or not comfortable because of this whole Mario nonsense. And then we see Kelly arrive at Luann's. And as we find out, Ramona did not invite Kelly to her Labor Day party, which I think is funny. It sounds like she invited everybody, even Alex and Simon. But if you remember, she wasn't originally going to invite Alex and Simon. So it was initially the only housewives that were going to be invited were Luann, Jill, and Bethany. Now Alex is coming, but she still didn't reach out to Kelly. So as you can tell, Luann's barbecuing and as they're getting ready for lunch, Kelly has something that she wants to tell Jill and Luann. And she's very dramatic about it. She's very secretive about it. She goes up to Luann and says, you know, I need to tell you and Jill something. And I love the editing and the production. The music is a little bit dramatic. And Luann says, is it like press stuff again? And Kelly says, yeah, kind of. And then you cut to Luann's confessional where she says, oh, my God, don't tell me you got arrested again, which I thought was so great. And so Kelly goes on about how she needs to talk to Jill and Luann alone. And she's being all secretive, but I really think she's just personality mirroring. If you remember, I've said, I think she's got some personality disorder or some some issues and she doesn't know how to behave. And so she just mirrors the personalities of what she sees around her, which is a lot of why she's an asshole, because she's in that whole fashion, New York, high society bullshit world. And so she just mirrors all that horrible behavior. But you can tell Jill wants to know everything. And Bethany wasn't telling her things, which is a big problem. As she said, she'd hear it from other people and that she didn't like that. And so Kelly thinks is that this is the way to get in Jill's good graces. So they go sit around the table outside. And even Jill says, God, this must have been something bad. She was acting so secretive about it. And Kelly gives a tell about what I just mentioned with Jill, because she says, you know how we were all talking the other day about friendship and authenticity and letting everybody know what's going on. 
So again, clearly Jill is running this whole thing about, you know, we've got to know, you've got to, if you want to be my friend, I don't want to find out from other people. And so Kelly says, I wanted to let you guys know what's going on tomorrow before anybody else. Again, she's kind of showing Jill's cards there about what Jill finds really important. And they're both sitting there. You can see their faces are like, what the hell is she going to say? And then she says, I was asked to be Playboy's 40th anniversary cover with a 10 page story. And the music and editing are so great here because before Kelly breaks the news of Playboy, it's been kind of dramatic and ominous. And then once she says it, it launches into that fun, upbeat, Real Housewives of New York City music that we know and love. Just great. And so, of course, Jill's first comment is, well, are you showing it all? And Kelly's like, no, not all. And then Jill goes back and confirms it's the cover. She's like, you're going to be on the cover. And Kelly then kind of says, well, it's a cover try. But, you know, the whole spread is about me. It's like, oh, good God, Kelly, you can't even be honest. And I'm going to call Kelly to the mat on this one because she does end up on the March 2010 cover of Playboy, which, of course, was shot by her ex-husband, Gilles Ben-Simone, of course. That's probably really how it all came about. But I have no idea what she's talking about with the Playboy's 40th anniversary cover because that cover came out in 1994 and it just had the logo of the bunny on it. And so I, I Kelly is serving a load of bull at this point because she's not the 40th anniversary cover. She does end up on a cover of Playboy. But at this point, it's 2009, 2010. It's not 1994. So you do the math as to the 40th anniversary. And so I, I in typical Kelly fashion, I think she's uh, living in a delusional world. But Jill and Luann are really excited for her, at least to her face, they're excited for her. Because then Jill says, well, do your girls know? Which I kind of think is weird, because why would they know? They're like 10 years old at this point. Like, who would tell their 10-year-old daughter, I'm going to be on the cover of Playboy naked? And Kelly says, no, but, you know, I'm going to tell them. But, you know, I'm, I'm 41 years old and I work out like crazy. And I think it's really flattering. And I just have to cut to the narrative for the shoot, which I think is the next episode coming up, but it's one of the next episodes. And then you see Kelly saying, oh, my God, all I did is just like drink beer and ate chicken wings for the for the shoot. Like, this is just the real me. But cut to this episode. She's saying that she's 41 years old. She works out like crazy to get this body. And she's flattered that she's in the magazine. So, again, it's just like, oh, it's such a fake portrayal. But as I said, the girls are nice to her face. But then you get Jill's confessional, which is so much more critical. Jill says, you know, should she have done it? Should her kids have to be exposed to this? I don't know, which she's not saying that to Kelly's face. And then Luann, again, and I thought a tell of how everyone knows that Jill kind of needs to be the center of attention. Luann says, well, maybe you're next, Jill. Kind of just, I don't know, sucking up to, to, to Jill and picking up a little bit on Jill's jealousy factor. And Jill's like, no, no way. There's no competition. And then we get Luann's confessional where she says, you know, I'd consider it. I was married to a European. So being topless really isn't that big of a deal. (laughs) And so while they're sitting around, Luann then shares that she was on the cover of Playgirl magazine when she was a young model. And she says, do you want to see it? Which, of course, the ladies do. And I think it's so weird because as Kelly and Jill are sitting there, Jill's like, do you want to tell Bobby? It's like she's always it's weird the way she's always got to obsessively be bringing in Bobby. It's like the way she shows Bobby attention or I don't know. Weird. But again, then we get Jill's confessional where we see her real thoughts. And she says that she doesn't want to be judgmental. But if she were in Kelly's shoes, would she have done it? No. 
which is so judgmental. I love the I don't want to be judgmental, but there's no way I do it. It's so great. It's so Jill. And we see Kelly's confessional. She was nervous to tell the girls. She thought they might be mad at her. She didn't know if they were going to be mean because she never knows how these women are going to be around her. But she was pleasantly surprised that they were excited for her. And Jill says, you know, if you would have said it, you were going to be in Hustler, I probably wouldn't have been so excited, which I mean, I kind of get it, but I kind of don't. It's like it's a nudie magazine. You know, it's the purpose is all the same. So good for you that you think you're doing something more high class. But, you know, they're all there for the same reason. So Luann shows back up and she couldn't find the large cover, but she has her old modeling book, which has the smaller picture in it. And you see it. It's fantastic. There's kind of a shirtless, big buff cowboy on the front. Remember, this is play girl. So it's not naked women. It's naked men. And Luann's just kind of behind him with her arms around her with her arms around the guy looking seductively at the camera. And we get Kelly's confessional where she explains that she was really flattered (laughs) that Luann would share this with her. I'm like, there we go with the fucking flattered again. It's so not humble. And it's, I, she, Kelly constantly has to talk about how she's so flattered by things. It's like, get over yourself. And then there's this kind of quick, funny little piece where Noelle comes over and is like, mom, the food's getting cold. And Luann, they show her hand, like cover up the picture, you know, which is so funny because it's like Luann's not naked and the guy has jeans and a big belt buckle on. He's like a cowboy. He's only topless. But I thought that was funny. And so as they get up in the scenes ending, Luann says, I'm sure it's going to be tasteful. And then the scene ends with Jill in just such Jill fashion. All right, I'm coming to the party at the mansion. And again, just like Bethany says, she's got to be a part of everything. She can't just let you have it. It's so Jill. And then we get one of those quick scenes, kind of like Kelly running in the street or some of the other scenes that we've pointed out. And this one is Jill's daughter, Allie, getting driving lessons from Bobby. And poor Allie. I mean, Jill is all over the place. And she's mostly concerned with looking at all of the houses that are for sale. She's like, Bobby, look, that house is for sale. Look, that one. What if we bought this one? Can you imagine we'd be Luann's neighbor? Oh, this one's listed by so-and-so. I know her. Maybe we should give her a call. And Jill, she's just, she won't shut up. And then Bobby is also kind of criticizing Allie. Watch out for this. Don't go for this. Don't do this. Watch out. And Jill is in the backseat being the typical backseat driver who's not only incessantly talking about all of the houses that are for sale, but is also kind of being the backseat driver as Allie's trying to learn. It's a very quick scene, but God, I feel bad for Allie. Poor thing. So then we cut back to Luann's. Lunch is now ready. They all sit inside and Bobby shows up and you kind of see him going back and forth like you tell him. No, no, you tell him. So Jill says, "Okay, fine. And she breaks the news about Kelly being asked to be on the cover of Playboy. And Bobby's very sweet. He congratulates her. And then he says, you know, I have every issue of Playboy from 1969 to 1998. They're all still in my mother's basement in mint condition. And I go and check on them occasionally. And it just, I hate to say it, but it was kind of creepy. And on top of that, like Noelle's sitting there, the kids are sitting there. I just, I thought it was strange. It's like, I know they're kind of collector's editions, but to have them in your mother's basement, I thought that was just such a like, I don't know. It was the whole thing is just weird. And then Luann says, well, you'll have to get this issue as well. And then we get Kelly's confessional where she's like, yeah, it's totally weird. I mean, not that I'm the object of... Bobby's desire or anything, but the fact that he'd be seeing the magazine and I know him, you know, it's like so weird. And it's just like, what? You're going to be posing for Playboy magazine, which is a 
highly distributed magazine and everybody's going to see it. And yet you think it's weird and you weren't like expecting the fact that people like Bobby might see you in the magazine. I just it was almost like a false demure behavior that she's trying to put on. It's like you don't pose for Playboy and then say it's embarrassing that people might see you. It's so fucking ridiculous. But we cut back to the lunch and Kelly is asking about Simon and Alex. And it turns out that I guess Simon and Alex must have talked to Kelly and asked if she was going to Ramona's. And Jill says, well, is that the first you heard about it? And Kelly says, yeah, I didn't even know about it. She didn't invite me. And Jill's like, huh, typical. Which again, it's like, you know, Jill, you've been icing Bethany out. You had Ramona do that whole yacht party and you invited everybody except for Bethany. And that was cool. But all of a sudden, Ramona doesn't want to invite Kelly to her house for a Labor Day party. And now it's like this big deal that Ramona's an asshole. Like, stop. And then Jill, because you know she just can't handle it. She says to Luann, well, I I wonder what's going on at Ramona's right now. And I love Luann's reaction. She's like, who cares? And then it's perfect editing because in that moment, we cut to Ramona's Hamptons house, which is always so pretty. Those like sweeping shots of her backyard. It's so gorgeous. And the doorbell was ringing and Mario goes and answers the door and Bethany and Jason have arrived. And Bethany immediately compliments Mario's fleur-de-lis necklace that he has on. She asks, is that your stuff? And I like that because she's realizing she's giving props to Mario's necklace business, which they put on the show before. And now that Bethany has launched her skinny girl, I'm sure she's realizing it's nice to kind of help everybody out with their businesses. And we get Bethany's confessional where she says that Ramona's house is just absolutely beautiful. It's in, I think, what's called the estate section of Southampton. It's very waspy, but it's absolutely gorgeous. And I couldn't agree more. And so then we see Bethany and Ramona, they're sitting outside and Bethany says, okay, so who's coming? Because I've got landmines and I need to know where to avoid them and, and what's going on. So Ramona says that it's going to be Bethany and Jason, Alex and Simon, she and Mario, and then her friend Jennifer and her husband Glenn. And Bethany explains that she's nervous to see Alex because she launched Skinny Girl, the tequila, the margaritas. She launched it and she didn't use that logo that Alex had put together. And if you remember the first couple of seasons... Alex was helping Bethany out and was putting together because the original logo that Bethany used, it was kind of Bethany Bakes and Skinny Girl together. And it was supposed to be Bethany sitting in a martini glass. And she was kind of in like a apron. And so Alex said, well, I can improve upon that. And she made it look more like Bethany. And it was a true graphic artist who drew Bethany on the computer. And it was fantastic. It looked just like her. But I understand why the larger company didn't end up wanting to use Bethany's face, right? They wanted to use a more generic logo. And I think that is understandable. But it sounds like Bethany launched the product and hadn't talked to Alex about it ahead of time. And so she's a little bit nervous and rightfully so. So Alex and Simon then arrive and Alex is confessional. She says, this is the third time I've seen Ramona this weekend and we're totally getting along. How weird is that? And I do have to give it to Bethany because she does confront things head on. Right from the jump, she pulls Alex aside and breaks the news to Alex about the logo and they talk and Bethany does say, I appreciate everything you've done. They just, they didn't, they wanted to use like a more generic figure. They didn't want it to look like me. And Alex really appreciates that Bethany's being upfront with her, but she does point out to Bethany, she says, yeah, I thought I had heard you say something this summer, like you went with something better, which I thought was kind of rude. And you don't really see Bethany's reaction to that. But Alex does say that she appreciates that, you know, Bethany said it to her face and kind of cleared the air and got it out in the open. 
So then you see them all in Ramona's kitchen. They're kind of getting the food on their plates and getting lunch going. And they're talking with Mario about the countless comment and why Jill and Luann aren't at Ramona's party. And Bethany says that just can't be the only reason why they're not showing up. And she jokes that if that was the case, that no one would ever hang out with her again based on the things that she says. So then they all sit down to eat. They're sitting outside in Ramona's backyard on a big table. And Ramona makes the toast. And of course, the conversation then turns to Jill. And Bethany says, I've been on a six-month book tour. I've been in love. I've been busy with Skinny Girl. I didn't really have any time to do anything. Like, I haven't done anything. There's just been no time. I don't understand what I've done. And Mario says, well, you know, Jill's pissed because you were kind of needy last summer and Jill wants to be the mother hen. And Ramona kind of chimes in. If you listen in the background, she goes, yeah. And because you were like the underdog, she wasn't threatened by you last summer. And Bethany just says she doesn't understand why Jill can't be happy for her. She explains that she's going to be 39 in two months. She didn't have a boyfriend and she kind of stops. And I think she was going to say she didn't have kids. But if I do the math, I think she had just recently found out that she was pregnant and doesn't want to maybe jinx it and say that she doesn't have kids when she's newly pregnant. So she shifts and quickly says, I couldn't pay my rent. And she says, you know, Jill's married. She has Allie. Why can't she just be happy for me? And in Ramona's confessional, she says that there's always two sides to every story. But with Jill and Bethany, their sides seem to differ quite dramatically. And she didn't know what to believe. She says, but I'm just staying out of it and they should make up. And then the only non-housewife of all of the guests, Ramona's friend Jennifer, butts in where, and again, if you remember, Bethany always talks about how Ramona and Jill run in the same circles. They have a lot of the same friends. And so it's very clear that this Jennifer girl is a very good friend of Jill's. And she butts in, which she shouldn't have. And she says, no, you know, I've known Jill for a long time. Yes, I do. I know her very well. I've known her for 15 years. And she and Bobby are good people. And Bethany's like, of course they are. I I agree. And she says that Jill is just hurt because it went from her talking to you four times a day to not hearing from you at all. And then you cut to Bethany's confessional and she says, who are you? Are you the caterer? Like, why are you talking to me? And and I really thought my friendship with, with Jill was way above hearing about this kind of shit from random people. And I also think it's proof that Jill was very clearly going around and talking about this story to everyone. And you can see as the season goes on, Jill tries to make it seem like to all the girls that it's Bethany that's talking to the press about this fight, that's set spreading it around town. But I think it becomes very clear that it was Jill who was doing all that shit. And, you know, Simon jumps in and says, well, you know, there's actually a hint of jealousy in there with Jill. And then Mario points out, well, you know, her new best friend is Luann, which is why she's not here today. And Bethany just calls it like it is and says, well, that in and of itself is very hypocritical because she has said more things about Luann around town and talked more shit about Luann than anybody. But because Jill is now getting nervous, she wants allies. Mario says, you know what? They very clearly drew a line in the sand and they made a statement. So then we cut back to Luann's. Kelly's leaving. You can tell that Luann's trying to get her to stay for coffee, but she doesn't want to stay. She's just going to pick up coffee on the road. I have a feeling Kelly might have another (laughs) party that she wants to get to. And so they're saying their goodbyes, getting ready to leave. And of course, Jill has to turn it into something about herself. And she points out, oh, my God, I'm so short next to you two without any shoes on. And Luann and Kelly, of course, are both very tall and Jill's very short, but it's like, what does that have to do with anything? 
But then I love it. You cut to Allie, Victoria, and Noelle, and they're sitting around finishing up lunch. And they're talking about the Playboy cover because they were all talking about it in front of the kids. And the common sentiment among the kids is, I would die if my mom was on the cover. So then we cut back to Ramona's party. Alex and Simon are getting ready to leave and tell Ramona and Mario that they have to leave a little bit early because they need to stop by Luann's. And they wanted to make sure they tell her so she's not mad about it. And Ramona is starting to get livid. Again, I think she's starting to see what's going on with Jill and Luann. And Ramona asks why they feel obligated to go. And poor Alex, you can tell she's so uncomfortable. She's non-confrontational. And now she's being totally put on the spot by Ramona, who is very confrontational. And Alex says, well, you know, we told him we would stop by. And, you know, Simon hasn't seen Jill all weekend, which is like, who cares? Jill hates him and talks shit. But I think Ramona, I mean, Alex is just trying to make an excuse. And Ramona is getting more pissed by the minute. And she says, you know what? Now Luann is just being rude. Why is she inviting my guests who she know are coming to my house over to her house? She's trying to ruin my party. She knew I was having people over. So why is she messing with my party? And Ramona's just going off calling Luann rude and classless. And Bethany in her confessional says, Ramona, when she throws a party, becomes like all about Eve meets Cruella DeVille. And I think that is such a perfect descriptor. And then I noticed, this is just, I thought Simon was such a piece of shit husband in this moment. I would have been so pissed with my husband for not helping me out. He throws Alex totally under the bus and says, you know what? I'll let Alex decide this one and physically steps back like three steps back from her and leaves her standing there all by herself in front of Mario and Ramona to have to decide whether they're going to leave or not. And I just felt so bad for her. But Alex, even though she's not confrontational, she does pretty well. You know, of course, she has her moments of not doing it in the greatest of ways. But here she just kind of looks at Ramona and says, I really feel like we're stuck in the metal. Bethany, thank God, comes to her defense. And then Mario makes the joke about, well, you know, at some point, you're going to have to decide which team you're on. And he's quoting Jill, kind of making the joke about Jill's whole team behavior. And so poor Alex, now the pressure is totally on. And she says, you know, okay, is that going to make you upset if we leave? All right. She agrees to call Jill and Luann and just tell them they're not coming. So Alex goes into Ramona's backyard for a little bit of privacy, and she calls Jill We see Jill pick up the phone. Alex explains it's a really small party and they can't leave without like declaring war. And so they're not going to make it. And she apologizes that she's not going to see Jill and feels really bad about it. And Jill just, you know, as opposed to saying, I totally understand. And Jill kind of says it. She's like, you know, I don't want to put you in a bad spot, but you said you were only staying for an hour. So I figured you could come over. And Jill's confessional, she says, you know, Alex doesn't take sides, but if she's not taking my side, it's a problem, which I thought was so truthful and so narcissistic. It's like, she's not taking sides, but she needs to take my side. It's just the team shit again with Jill. And then I just can't believe Jill doesn't have any shame about doing this on camera. It's so self-unaware. She says to Alex, well, can you give me any gossip? It's like, oh, good God. And Alex says, you know, the only thing really that came out was that Luann didn't want to be there because of Mario's comment and that Jill probably didn't want to be there because Bethany was going to be there. And Alex says, look, it really wasn't a big gossip session about you guys. That was really it. And so Jill kind of says, you know, no problem. Alex says, let's get together when we're in the city. Jill says, yeah, of course. 
But then the second she hangs up with Alex, Jill and Luann just shit talk. And they say that Alex is clearly protecting Ramona. She's under the Ramona spell. As Luann says, she forgot to take the Ramona pill. And Jill's confessional, she says, you know what, if you're too busy to show up and and be my friend and see me, then, you know, I'm not going to bother and I'm too busy to make time for you, which I thought was so bitchy and so ridiculous. Because in classic Jill fashion, she tells Alex that she understands, then hangs up the phone with her and shit talks and holds a grudge. And the scene ends with Jill and Luann walking into Luann's house and Jill says, and Bethany thinks I didn't want to come because she was there. I mean, are you kidding me? And we fade to black. So with that, I think this episode sets us up perfectly for what's about to happen with all of the relationships between these ladies. And I can't wait to get into it. So join us next week when we break down Roni's season three, episode three, Fall in Manhattan. And you can download Deep Fix Podcast at Stitcher, Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and most other places you get your podcasts. And as always, please follow and like us on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Deep Fix Podcast. Until next time, see y'all then.